This right. is an eight iron, and it's a dead shank. Wow. Way right. Oh, Takes a hop shank. off the path. You gotta be kidding me. Very tough pitch shot right here. You gotta hit it into the hill. One hop up and bite, and it's in. Kind of like that. I would like to welcome Brad Ralston from the Red Feather Golf Club in Lubbock, Texas, to the Sub-70 podcast. Uh, have been looking forward to this one. It's a pretty exciting project uh, you have going down in Texas there. So a lot of buzz in the golf industry about it. So you got to be pretty excited. Man, we're really excited. I can't wait to get open in July. Well, before we get in, you know, to the club and how it all came about, uh, you know, if you could kind of get your backstory of, you know, I assume you must love golf to be able to go and do something like this. So, you know, how did you fall in love with golf and, you know, when did you start playing and how did you kind of get to this point where it's like, I love this enough where we're going to go build our own club? Yeah, so I started playing golf, uh, I guess, with any kind of regularity uh, my senior year of college. Uh, I played baseball at uh, Texas Tech and was a pitcher there and so every summer you know I went somewhere and played uh, baseball in the and lived away from home and took my last year off uh, didn't go play summer ball my last year and so I ended up playing like 36 holes a day for basically the whole summer I had a buddy that worked at one of the local municipal golf courses here and I think I got the super senior twilight discount the whole summer so it was a it was a lot of fun and, and just kind of fell in love with the game, man. Was it was the transition tough from being a baseball player to a golfer? You know, most of the baseball guys have that little over the top loop move, and it's you know the power fade starts off right away. Was it a little tough going from uh, baseball swing to golf swing? Well, I was a pitcher, so I didn't hit much, so it wasn't too hard. But uh, you know, definitely still a work in progress. Yeah, it always is, right? We never have <laughs> this thing mastered, so. Um, <laughs> So you you kind of start playing, and then your business career. You know how did how did that transpire? What industries have you been in, and what are you kind of currently doing now that that sort of gave you the you know the experience, the the background to be able to kind of take on a project of this size? Yeah, so uh, started out as a banker. I did. I was a banker for about five years. Uh, a place called Plains Capital Bank got a great background. Met a lot of uh, great business people. Always knew I wanted to be, uh, you know, an entrepreneur and in business and no better place to learn that than uh, trying to loan money and figure out how people go and make money. And uh, and so did that. Uh, actually ended up going into business with one of my customers uh, after after that and uh, have been here at Truno for, golly, I guess 17 or 18 years now. And uh, really had a lot of help, great partners, grew this business, uh, started investing in various projects. We bought and sold car washes before. We, you know, started this residential development, and that's really what led to the golf course is we got into uh, some residential development, had some land that I thought would, um, you know, make a good spot for a golf course. And, and so it worked out well for everybody. Um, certainly never dreamed I would do this. It was always kind of a you know, I think every golfer's ever has dreamed about building their own golf course or having their own golf course and never really, you know, knew if that would happen or not. And, uh, but I, it did. And I think Lubbock's ready for it. And now it's kind of gone. Uh, like you said, it's gotten a lot of buzz. We've gotten a lot of national members that have joined. And, uh, so really excited to, to bring that here to Lubbock and, and just have the opportunity to, 
kind of fulfill a, a dream that, you know, wasn't definitely planned. So when you found the property, was it first, let's find the right area to do a, a housing development with the growth that Lubbock's had, or was it, let's find land to do the golf course first, and then we'll figure out the development side of the properties as a you know secondary part of it? Yeah, definitely it was the development first. And, you know, we, uh, and then when we were trying to figure out what kind of development we wanted to do, um, you know, it was originally going to be some track homes and, and starter homes, uh, that was really selling. And we had about, oh, I don't know, 135 undevelopable acres, uh, that, so that had to be done, had something had to be done with it. it either had to be a park or just a waste area. And it's kind of our drainage system here in, in Lubbock. You have these Playa Lakes that uh, act as our as our drainage system, above ground drainage system. And uh, and so anyway, we have this undevelopable land for structures, but it was you know we we could have had a golf course on it. So I did some due diligence, uh, you know, just said, hey, is this possible? And uh, and then it turns out that it was. And we took a flat cotton field and have now built. I mean, what feels like the Grand Canyon for Lubbock, Texas, and uh, built a great golf course around it. The name Redfeather. How did how did you guys come up with that? Does it have significance to the to to you, the town? Is there a kind of a, a backstory to that? Yeah. So you know, we always just I have a lot of Cherokee in my family tree, uh, and so you know, I wanted to do that. And we originally started out with uh, you know wanting to have a headdress with the logo and and uh all of this stuff really to be you know pay respect kind of to my um you know family's history and and um and so there's this story about a chief red feather you can look it up and he basically builds a utopia or you know leads his people to a utopia and i kind of love that story about his vision of what he wanted he got people to follow him there and built this big utopia that everybody followed and flourished in and so it's it's a you know it's a legend of chief red feather and uh and but then i decided that you know at that same time the redskins were getting canceled and and you know the indian i mean you know everybody's yeah. changing the logos yeah. i'm like man i don't want to fight this battle and uh and you know so because i'm i'm certainly not documented but i just uh you know so that's where the name red feather came and then i wanted to keep the name and and we ended up here with the rooster yeah yeah and that's not gonna you know in this yeah i get it right if yeah. god forbid uh well you know three people get mad over it even though you're trying to do it out of respect it's a turns into a shit show and yeah. It's it's not worth it. I, I hear where you're coming from on that one. Yeah. So all right, so we got this land. Now it's 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 flat. So what comes next? You guys think, okay, we can make this happen. So is the next step in this we're gonna come up with the vibe of the club of what we want it to be, or is it we start interviewing architects that can kind of you know did you guys have an idea of how you wanted the course to be, or did you go to the architects or get the, you know, and say, Hey, what do you guys see for this piece of land? Or what's kind of like the next steps once you guys figured out we're going to use this part of this development for this golf course, you know, where's, where's step two and step three in this. Yeah. So, you know, I uh, got to be good friends with JJ Colleen, who, who, you know, and, and we, uh, you know, we just, we had a lot of happy hours, honestly saying, Hey, are we really going to try this? You know, we really going to do this. And, and, to, you know, up until we really, you know, started laying sod down, there was always a parachute that like, hey, if, you know, 
where I'm just like, this still doesn't feel real, but now it feels very real. And, uh, and so we start, you know, have, having beers and talking and like, we start thinking about, okay, who are we going to, you know, if we do this, who are we going to get to build the course? And we, we talked to Jeff Ogilvy and his group, um, and then uh, ultimately landed on, on King Collins, uh, who has just been phenomenal to work with, uh, great guys. I mean, we, I loved their, their vibe. Uh, I loved their hunger. I loved their eagerness to build bold golf courses. And, you know, when you're starting out with a flat piece of land and I'm going, okay, guys, you know, they said, hey, we want to do a site visit. And, you know, like, I don't know that you guys really understand what I'm talking about. When I say we have a flat cotton field, you know, that is, it's literally a flat cotton field. And uh, they're like, okay, well, maybe we don't need to do a site visit. And I'm like, just just look at your tabletop there, and that's the terrain you have to work with. And uh, and they looked at me, and they said, hey, man, you know, when, when in the whole interview process, they finally came out, and it took us about 10 minutes to walk the land. You know, they're like, hey, we need two days to walk the land. I'm like, you don't get it. It is a flat piece of dirt. And uh, and so anyway, we sat down. They started, you know, talking about how their approach is about uh, really kind of paying homage to the old school golf courses, uh, traditional close uh, tee box to green, uh, tee to green relationships, and and uh, and everything they were saying just kind of fit what we wanted. They were cool guys. We got along, and and I thought the vibe. And then they looked at me, and I'll, I'll never forget it. He just said, "I was like, you guys really think you can, uh, you know, build something great." here on this piece of dirt and he just looked at me he's like you have no fucking idea and i'm just like okay you know i left that meeting yeah. and, and yeah. i'm really like you know it's the truth I, I did it and they came up with a great design and it's just uh it's been incredible which is tough right some of the i mean to make a great golf course on a flat piece of land is it takes some real talent right it does it is hard to do like how many how many i mean how much dirt do you guys have to bring in well, we didn't bring in any dirt, but we pushed a lot around. So okay. we dug and moved it around, and, and uh, I think we've moved, like, I'd have to get the exact count, but it's well over 2 million uh, cubic yards of dirt that we've pushed around. And uh, so it's been quite the process, and and uh, but we're loving what how it's turned out. Well, yeah, and their vibe seems to make golf, and this is just from what I'm seeing from the outside, so let me know if I'm wrong here, but you guys want this to be, you know, very, you know, what are we trying to say, high-end, classy, but fun, where, you know, cocktails were flow. If you want to wear flip-flops, swim trunks, and a t-shirt, knock yourself out. The golf, there'll be some, you know, we're not trying to build a golf course that's just going to, you know, beat the living hell out of you. Yeah, there's going to be some tough holes, but there's some holes to make some birdies. They want the, I'm assuming you want that experience to be to, to be fun, where there's a little bit more width off the, the, the tee box for the players, right? I know you guys are doing some cool, like, double green stuff. Like, I love that idea. Is that sort of the vibe that you're kind of going after? It's absolutely the vibe, and I think it's the future of golf. You know, I think that that uh, just the world gets less and less uh, formal. And, you know, in golf, just, you know, it started to follow it, but it's always lagged. And so really, you know, I joined a, a club down in Houston uh, called Blue Jack National. And, you know, I took, I went there on the site visit and, you know, I was like, okay, they got lodging on site. I, my kids get to run around, take the wife down there. And, and it's just, it's like, you know, they, I asked them one time, I was like, Hey man, how do you have this vibe? And they're like, we never want you to come here worrying about breaking a rule, you know? And it's like, so whatever, you know, attire is available. I go to the chipping range down there and my flip flops or my bare feet, 
you know, the kids come from the swimming pool and go out to the driving range and, you know, hit a dozen balls and, and, uh, it's just fun. And I'm like, this is what I would like to have as my home club every single day. And, uh, where it's just, it's low pressure. It's, uh, you know, we're going to have a great, um, a great golf game, you know, I mean, the focus of our club is going to be golf, but it's going to be fun and, you know, just laid back luxury and, and uh, having a great time and feeling very inclusive. It's going to be very communal with the homes around it and some shared tee boxes and some shared greens that are going to be, you know, they're huge, but they're shared. And so it's like, you'll see people and, you know, High five and cheers and clink glasses. Yeah, give guys, that's give what guys shit across the green and stuff that's like right. that. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we have a whole perch where you're going to watch, you know, 10 green, 12 green, 4 green, and 5 green. You can see them all. And, like, literally, like, our vision is to have rocking chairs out there with folks sitting in beers and razzing you as you're putting a little bit, you know. And nothing over the top, but, but you know, yeah. just having fun and, and having a community and people that are like-minded and want to have fun and want to golf and leave all the stuffy stuff behind. Have you been down to Jordan's place at Grove 23? I've not, but if you can get me on there, I'd love to go. <laughs> uh, I feel I'll help you with that one. Uh, I was just down there, and the same idea. I haven't played Blue Jack, but my buddies have played it and said the same thing, and, and Grove 23 is exactly like that. I mean, yeah. even though it's like 60 members, Brad, I'm telling the vibe was 15 out of 10. It's yeah. so laid back. It's so fun, you know, and, and I won't name any of the clubs I've been to, and you've probably been to these clubs too, where it's just like, if you feel like you sneeze the wrong way, someone's going to get pissed and another member is going to get a letter from another member. It's just uncomfortable, right? Like yeah. the golf courses are great, but the vibe, my opinion, is it's not my vibe. It, it's just not. I don't like the you know, when you feel like you're about to break an unwritten hockey rule that you don't know about and everyone's on eggshells all the time. Even though it's Jordan's place and it's one of the most high-end places, the vibe is like they can get you a transfusion fast enough, right? Yeah. Like it's just so much fun. You take drive carts everywhere. So I'm envisioning kind of that vibe of what you guys have out there, you know, sort of that same idea. A hundred percent. I mean, that's exactly what we're after. Um, and, and you nailed it, man. I mean, that's that's it. We want people to have fun. We want you to be comfortable. We want to be respectful of members. But I mean, I mean, like you're saying, I went to a, a little tournament that uh, that all these different country clubs host, and they, it kind of rotates every year. And I went with my Blue Jack crew down uh, in Florida and played a, a place that phenomenal golf course, but you know, like we're playing music and drinking. And, like people are literally going, "Hey, man, like we don't do that here." And I'm just like. Wow, you know, great golf course. I never want to come back. You know, I never want to come back. No, I want to have fun with this, right? And you know, um, and I agree with you that it's going more of that way, right? Uh, I'm fortunate enough to be a member at Dismal River Club out in Sand Hills, right? And we do the same thing out there. Like they say, like there's no rules. Like you can play twelve. Just don't be a dick. They have one rule: don't be a dick. So if you're playing a twelve sum, just don't hold people up. That's right. There's no tee times. There's whatever you want to do. Country yep. music going out back, nighttime fire pit going. It's it's just the greatest vibe of relaxing out there ever. And, you know, if you went to make a tea time, they would just look at you like you're crazy. Like, you guys are all members here. You'll figure it out, right? Yeah. You want to, yeah. you know, start off on the ninth hole. Somebody's on the on the first hole. Figure it out. Like, we're not doing tea times. We're not messing. There's no time restraints on anything. Like, whatever you want to do. So, I, and, it, and it's working. You know, Joel's done a great job with it out there of bringing, I kind of call it the say 50 and under crowd in who really appreciates that vibe, you know, yeah. where I love Sandhills golf club out there. I'll never be a member. I'm not of the right pedigree, 
but it's stuffy, right? The golf course is great, but it's it's not as much fun. And, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. We can't, we're not allowed to go over there, even though it's like seven miles as the crow flies. But uh, the Sandhill members are kind of allowed to come to Dismal, and some of the younger guys will play Sandhills from that are members at Sandhills and come to Dismal at night to hang out because the vibe is just way more fun of music going and sometimes bands or, you know, fire pit. It's just a better vibe. So I'm with you. I think it's going that direction, right? Versus old school country clubs. So I agree. And I think all the most, not all, but most of the new courses that are being built are, there's more of them like this than there are of the old ones. And it's just a function of corporate governance and country clubs and boards. And, you know, it's hard to change because, you just uh, the governance is usually built in a way that they're built not to change, and uh, and that's you know part of the reason that Red Feathers being built is is uh, you know I wanted to get away from from that culture and and just really focus like you said on having fun, serving members, you know, and, and it's like every time we get a new membership, they're like, hey, are you gonna assess? And I'm like, well, not for three years, but then at the end of that, my goal is to break even every year and. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about that, but I'm like, Hey guys, anything's available. You know, like we want to say yes and charge for it. That's our motto. Right. <laughs> you know I mean? Say yes and charge for it. So don't ask me to wash your car, uh, because I'm probably going to charge you 400 bucks, but it's going to be clean when you get it back after the wrap. <laughs> how many uh, national members are you looking to have and how many local members are you looking to have to sort of balance that out? Yeah, we're going to have 350, uh, local memberships capped at at 350 and then 75 national members of which we've already sold over 30 of those. And, uh, and so, you know, we're going to have some lodging, some on-site lodging that we're doing. Uh, and this is all coming down the plane. We're not doing all this from jump, but, um, you know, so yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to have 350 local members and 75 national members and, and see how that, see how that works for us. So clubhouse, uh, how do you, how do you go about building that so it captures the right vibe of what you're trying to establish with the club and you know what what sort of format or architectural plans are you using for that? Yeah, so we're opening up with the temporary clubhouse. It's going to be a permanent structure, and it's basically going to be you know, kind of like a little party barn. Uh, I don't know if you you know like we all in in Texas we've got these ranches that people go to and they build these little kind of barn dominium type you know. Yeah houses and and they're really cool but they're just really practical and functional so we're going to start with that and then uh you know i'm building a big lazy river around the uh the clubhouse and uh gonna have you know some cabanas and and so i just you know i'm a better pirate than i am an inventor so i just go to these places and i'm like hey oh i like that you know or i want right. to copy that and i just like hey i mean i copy them you know, I'll find cool things, and I'm like, we're gonna do that, and then, yeah. uh, you know, just get it, get it on paper, and and uh, go from there. Yeah, well, it's hard not to be influenced by things, right? If you go see something, enjoy a little of this, and you grab a little of that, and then you can kind of take all those elements and then make your place kind of your own. But it's impossible not to be influenced by other things, right? Like that's, yeah. that's how this stuff works. Um, the housing development part. So, how did you? Would, where, would, where did you go with that? And it said at first you're kind of doing maybe, you know, houses that hit a certain price point. Now is it all going to be more custom built? Or how many lots are you developing now uh, along with the club? 
Yeah, so uh, it was. They are going to all be custom built, and there'll be you know million dollar plus homes all around the golf course, which is a lot in Lubbock, Texas. Uh, you know, it's a great quality of of living here. Uh, but you know, we had some people buy six lots, and they're going to build you know twenty thousand square foot monsters, and then other people, you know, all of our lots are half acre or bigger, uh, and so you know, it's pretty. They're going to be sizable homes. Going to be. Uh, nice, nice homes, and I think we'll really cocoon in the golf course um, with some beautiful homes and landscaping around. There's no interior. There's no homes on the interior of the golf course, only on the exterior. So um, it's going to be pretty cool, and I think that we'll have some fantastic homes built. Um, we've already sold like 30 plus lots, and uh, and so I think the whole development's going to end up being around 350 lots, but the first phase is 90, and uh, and we sold 30 of those. Is is Lubbock, is it a fair statement to say with the growth it's had, having another country club makes sense for the population that is now there? I think so. You know, I mean, I think we're underserved in the golf uh, community. We have a great public course here, uh, the Rawls course, that's the Texas Tech golf course. Um, and then we've had, you know, we have three other uh, country clubs and but you know the club that I'm that I'm at now, we have 750 golfing members for 18 holes, and it Are is literally serious? yeah, and it's 750? literally 50, 750, and then we have another 250 uh, you know social members on top of that. But it's just it's packed all the time, which um, you know, and, and so I just wanted a, a more like you say you know low key low you know spread out tee times, walk on, and so we're charging more than. And those initiations, and we've actually changed the market. I feel like in Lubbock, you know, the um, the other country clubs have all gone up on their initiation fees since uh, since we started because you know we just tested the market, and I just think people are ready for for something different. Um, you know, all of the growth in Lubbock is on the south side of town, and and so that's where we're building at the edge of the city limits on the south side of Lubbock, and all the other courses are mostly on the north side of the town, and uh, so I just think it's all lining up. Uh, location, location, location is undefeated in real estate, and I think that's one of our biggest assets. Yeah, and Texas isn't going anywhere, right? Like here in Illinois, we keep losing 100,000 people a year and population decline, and I can promise you a lot of them are, are heading to your state, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just Texas is not going to be going anywhere the next, I don't know, 20, 30, unless these states like I'm in make changes, right? Like if people are going to keep coming down there. So yeah. I think in the long run, you're going to be absolutely fine for the, the population is going to keep growing. Plus with such a great university in town there, right? Like it's, yeah. it's prime for growth. It really it's is. It's absolutely primed. And we serve, you know, we serve a huge area of rural New Mexico and rural Texas uh, around Lubbock. So um, Lubbock proper is growing at an incredible pace. Um, permits have never been higher. I mean, it's, it's a boom without the bust, honestly. Like, Lubbock has just always been so steady. We're anchored by, you know, by farming, by medical, and by the university. And uh, and so those those three things are, are all pretty steady. And uh, and so, yeah, it's a, it's a great time to be in Lubbock. So our, our guy, J.J. Colleen, the West Texas driving range pro, <laughs> a legend in his own mind, at least. So, I mean, yeah. I love the guy. I really do. Um how I mean, he's the perfect guy for the vibe you're trying to go after. And I, you know, and I, I know he's, 
you know, he's JJ, but he does know his stuff. He's a great teacher. You know, he played at the highest level. So take away all the fun he has. He's a really, really good golf professional. And, um, yeah, like, you know, what do you see him bringing to the table, you know, for the club beyond, you know, everyone knowing who he is just from a operational standpoint, you know, where do you see his strengths and helping build this club to where you guys want it? Yeah, so JJ's actually the president. He's going to run the whole operation and be in charge of it. You know, I wasn't looking for another job um, when I started this this club, but uh, he's done a phenomenal job of leading people. He's very intelligent. Um, you know, it's you know, they say sarcasm is a is a huge indicator of IQ, and he's as sarcastic as anybody can be. And, uh, yeah. You know, but he's been fantastic. He's been fantastic with the golf. He's fantastic with our crew. He works hard. Um, you know, he's got the right vibe for, for what we're wanting to accomplish and setting the tone. And, and, you know, you've got to have that. And it's got, I've always tell people you can lead in any manner, uh, as long as it's genuine. And JJ is, if anything, he is genuine and it doesn't change no matter who he's around. Um, and I love, I love it. I love the, the vibe that he brings to the club and, and uh, we're excited to have him as part of our team. Well, Andy's such a great player. I know he minimizes how good he is. You know, oh, I'm not that good anymore. Like, bullshit. He's still a fantastic player. Yeah, and, he, you know, he, how cool is that representing your club, right, that you have a player of that level? Yeah, it's great. I mean, you know, he's going to play in, on, you know, at least one PGA Tour event uh, this year. He played in two last year. Uh, I know he's got ambitions to continue to try to make the – the PGA championship and, and we want to encourage that. I mean, I want golf to be, I think that helps our brand. I mean, we want to be serious golf club while having a lot of fun. And, uh, and he, he brings that to the table for us, but dude, he's so good. I mean, he hits it just as far as any of those guys, you know, I, I caddy for him this last year in the Byron Nelson and, and I'm like, he belongs, you know, I mean, we didn't make the cut, but he belongs the shots that he hits. And, and, uh, and, you know, he's as good as anybody I've seen for sure. Yeah, you can, it's elite talent, right? And, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, make JJ feel any better about himself, but between you and I, there's, it, you can tell the difference between a good, you know, uh, club pro and elite touring pro talent. And, you know, if he wasn't injured, you know, he would have had a long career in the PGA Tour. He has that level of talent. You know, you're not the player of the year on the Corn Ferry Tour without having elite talent. And he has yeah. it. Like, he's a really, really great player. Don't, don't tell him I said that, though, on the podcast. Yeah, edit yeah. this part out for sure, man. Yeah, a thousand percent. But, no, it, you know, like what he can do is most guys can't do it. And you can see it, like when you're caddying for him, right? It's just – it's different. When you play with a legit Turing pro or someone who's done it, it's so much better than the guy who's a plus two or plus three handicap at your club. And I can try to describe it to people, but it's just it, – it's it's like night and day. Yeah. You know, I mean, how much better they really are. Yeah, there's no comparison. I mean, just the shots and the touch that they have are just, you know, it's incredible. Yeah, of how far they hit it, yet how good they chip and putt it. and how, Right? They're just, you know, when you play with a guy who's a plus six or a plus seven, it makes like a plus two look like he's a bogey golfer. Like the difference yeah. is that is that far from each other. And, you know, there's not that big of a difference between a four handicap and a seven handicap, right? So you'd think like a plus two to a plus six, that wouldn't be that big of a difference. Bullshit. It is night and day difference of what, you know, a legit Turing Pro looks like versus a very, very good player. 
Yeah, the first three rounds I ever played with JJ, uh, full rounds, he shoots 62, 63, 65. And I'm like, dude, you broke the course record out here. And he's like, I'm not turning that in. You know, I mean, he just, he's like, I mean, I watch, I've seen him shoot 62 at least twice out there in, in our uh, Lubbock Country Club. And, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's incredible. I mean, but I'm like, how many times have you shot 62 out? He's like, I don't know. 25 30 you know and i'm just like yeah. that's insane it's it's just a different level of good um well like no this is so exciting and um you know to see this thing come to fruition the, the guys who you're working with like you know i got to get out this uh this summer out to nebraska you know to see the new course that the uh, that king collins did out in uh in uh, eastern Nebraska, you know, what they did out there. It's getting rave reviews, right? So, I mean, I think your guys are going to knock it out of the park with what, you know, the vibe you're trying to get to, who you've been working with. I mean, it's just going to be A+. plus. Just there's no way this golf course is not going to be great. And I'm so looking forward to to seeing it get fully open, the reviews that are going to, you know, come out with it and all that stuff, and definitely sneaking down at some point maybe this next fall and, and going to see it for myself. So, man, we'd love to have you. I got the chance to, you know, speaking of King Collins and Landman, uh, I, mean, I got the chance to walk that property, um, you know, while it was being built. And I'm like, you know, I literally was like, hey, guys, y'all think we can get a tenth of the drama, you know, in this at Red Feather that you have out here? And like, I mean, Rob is just looking at me and rolling his eyes like, you have no idea, dude. Like, and. <laughs> And so we've created that, and I, I was just like, I didn't know how they were going to do it, but I'm good at staying out of people's way and uh, letting talented people do stuff around me. And and we certainly got you know talented people, and and uh, him and you know King Collins has been great. Garrett Holt, our superintendent, and I mean it's just phenomenal. We got him out of Shady Oaks and in, in uh, our or Fort Worth, and so he's got pedigree and he works as hard as anybody I've ever been around in in any job or any sport, and for that matter. Um, I mean, he's just phenomenal. And so I, I just, I, I love our team. I, we're going to have perfect conditions, uh, as good as we can have out here and just really looking forward to getting open. Well, yeah. And a little bit of wind, right? I mean, that golf course is going to play the, that's, what's going to make it so cool that that golf course is never going to play the same way twice. Yeah. And uh, the wind out here, it definitely blows in Lubbock, you know, especially in the spring, uh, but, you know, our summers are as good as anywhere in the country, in my opinion, and our falls are just, I mean, they're fantastic. You know, the temperatures are perfect. The the bent grass, you know, is, is great in the fall uh, on the greens. And then, you know, we're really excited about the Innovation Zoysia product that we put down on the course. And and uh, I had a lot of people tell me that, you know, we wouldn't be able to have Zoysia fairways here, and it's already greening up and coming. I mean, it's going to be so good, and I'm so excited. That's my favorite turf to play off of for a fairway. Zoysia is the best. It's, yeah, it's just the best. It's the best golf grass, you know, in my opinion, out there. And, and so, yeah, we're we're juiced about that. When you were out in Nebraska, did you did you make it to the Sand Hills if you were that close and go and play out there a little bit? No, I didn't, man. I mean, we we actually were just in and out in one day, and and uh, you know, I was like, hey, man, if some of the bought off this amount of money. I'd like to go see the product that, you know, you think yeah. you can put down. And, and uh, so that really sealed the deal for us. Yeah. Who would have ever thought Nebraska was going to turn into a golf mecca hub of, you know, yeah. what they're doing between, you know, what they're doing at Landman and then out in the, the, the Sand Hill area, right? I mean, who would have ever thought 25 years ago that you're going to have all these clubs popping up all over. So that's it's, it's yeah. pretty wild how that's grown out there as well. Um, got two more for you. Um, 
try to ask this to the guys who come on the podcast. So uh, what is the, the two or three best golf courses that you've ever played that you think architecturally are just superb? Man, I played Butler National this last year. Uh, it was phenomenal. It's um, pretty good. Yeah, there's a course that we like to play down in Houston called Lock and Bar. I have a good friend that's uh, a member down there, and so we get down there and play quite a bit. It's just so much fun to play, and it's a men's only club, but um, I, it's just so much fun out there, and it's all focused on golf, and the conditions are, are really great. And, uh, you know, those are probably two of the best. And then my, probably my favorite golf course on those, I don't know if it's architecturally great or not, but I love playing it is, uh, Shadow Creek in Vegas. You know, it's just like, to me, it's beautiful. It's pristine. It's, it's, uh, I know it's man-made, but oh, I don't care. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's fun. I, I love that course. And, and so those are probably the top three that, that, uh, you know, I'd say that I like playing the most. Besides Grove 23, is there any other courses on your hit list that you can't wait to get out there and go and play at some point in time? You know, I mean, yes, there's a million courses that I'd like to play. I'd really like to go up and do the whole Northeast uh, golf tour. JJ's tried to get me to do that the last couple of years, and it just hasn't worked out. But, you know, getting up and playing Fishers and National, and, and he's got kind of a, a beat on all that. I mean, I'd love to, to get out and play uh, – you know, do the. I've never played golf really on the West Coast uh, swing. You know the the whole yeah. coastal courses and and so I'm gonna do that at some point in time. Uh, but you know, it's just I'd love to I'd love to get out and and just take a summer off one one year and just travel. But the problem is I like to play too much competitively in all these tournaments, and I don't want to miss the the local majors that we play in around here. So I don't travel near as much as I want to. And I got young kids. I got 12 and seven year old kids. And, and uh, so I'm spending a lot of time uh, with them in the summers too. All good, my man. Hey, thank you so much for coming on. Like best of luck with everything. We'll be kind of watching as it gets closer to, you know, fully being open, but just as a, as a golf nut myself, like I'm so excited to see this thing come to life. Like it's just such a cool project. I love everything about it. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be watching. Uh, also, too, if anybody has questions on joining as a national member or a local member, if somebody in Lubbock listens to the podcast, like what's the best way to reach out to you guys? Yeah, so our membership director is Maddie Irwin. Uh, I'm sorry, Maddie Dean. Uh, her name recently changed. But uh, Maddie at redfeathergc.com, or you can go to our website. Uh, the best way to follow us is on Twitter, though, at redfeathergc. And uh, you can get as much information there as you want. Um, we give, you know, we give tours every single day. Uh, so we've got about 120 total members signed up already. I think that's pretty good before we open, and and it's reasonable. You know, our our initiation's at 50,000 right now for a full membership, and 15,000 for a national membership. So it's uh it's going to be high end and and uh, affordable at the same time. Well, we're looking forward to, to seeing this thing get uh, to fully open. So congratulations with everything. Thanks for your time today. Really, really appreciate it. Thanks, Jason, man. I appreciate being on.